Good morning, everyone. Uh, like I said, uh, my name is Lester, and I have the awesome opportunity of leading our preteens ministry and our youth ministry. And I have to be completely honest with you guys. I just walked up during worship, and they're having such a great time upstairs. I have to let you know that I do appreciate feedback. I know it's a little bit early, but I think that church is... We participate. It's not a spectator sport. So it's just an opportunity for us to have fun together. So if I say something that you think is good, you can give me an amen. If you think something is good, you can say something. Or you can just give me a wink because we've got masks on and we're still trying to be COVID compliant. But I just think we're going to have a good time. I don't claim to have funny jokes, but if something is funny, just, just go with it. Laugh with me. It's going to be a good time. If you're new to city. Uh, we exist to help people get and keep God first in their lives. We do this in three environments. Number one, being a gathering. That's where you are right now. This is where we come together. We sing praises to God. We open up His Word. We meet together. Then the second way is, well, the second environment is groups. And I want to do a plug again, like I did. Man, if you're not in a city group already, I want to encourage you, get into one. It takes this big gathering where you can just feel like a number and it makes it nice and small and you, people know you and you get to know people. It's a great opportunity where we get to share our lives with people, our struggles, the things we're facing and have people pray for us, care for us and we get to do life together. I just want to shout out uh, my city group leaders, Sophie and Petrie. This week was a bit of a crazy week for us um, and they brought food for us. Just a meal. And it's just, that's, what, that's what small group is. That's what life group is. A community of people coming together and having a great time together. The third environment that we have is initiatives. This is where we dive deeper into a topic like our finances. How do we parent? How do we help other people get and keep God first in their lives? So these are our three environments. We believe, as I mentioned, everyone's got a next step. And we've got five steps that we want to help people take. That is saved, added, built, filled, and purposed. Nailed it. Um, right now, I'm going to be preaching on the filled and the purpose step. But before I go any further, let us pray together and then we'll jump into it. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you that we get to set this time apart. God, I pray right now that you would um, soften the voices and the distractions of normal day life. And Holy Spirit, I pray right now that your voice would be the only one we listen to. God, I pray that you would take this message. God, I pray that you speak it. And I pray for everyone sitting here today, God, that they would leave with something. That God, they would leave with a better understanding of who you are. And God, that they would fall more in love with you. God, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. And everyone said, amen. amen. I do want to just also say before I get into it, happy Mother's Day to everyone, all the mothers in the room. And then a special happy Mother's Day to my mother who is in the building. She's going to take the time. Thank you. I don't know if this has ever happened to you guys. Where you're going into a new season of life or you're about to go into a new venture and there's this excitement, but there's also this fear. Like maybe you're starting a new job and you're excited to start this new job, but you're also a little bit weary because you don't know what's coming. Or maybe you're in high school and you're trying to think about varsity. And it's just, it feels overwhelming. For my wife and I right now, it's parenthood. 
We are going to become parents. As much as I am excited, I am so scared. I don't know what to expect. Like, there's a lot that people share with you. Everyone's like, it's really great, but it's a lot of work. It's really great, but it's a lot of work. So I am overwhelmed with the idea of what this is going to be like. And I feel like oftentimes when it comes to the Holy Spirit, for a lot of us, we hear and we, we've heard about the Holy Spirit, but because we're not too sure, we just kind of put him to the side. We're just like, I'm not going to dive into that because it doesn't make sense, so I'm just going to stick to what I know. But one of our steps at City is filled, and that is being filled by the Holy Spirit. So some of the misconceptions that we might have of the Holy Spirit, we might have heard people say that he's a force, he's a ghost, he comes like a dove, a rushing wind. And all these terms are confusing as to what is the Holy Spirit. But I want to say that Scripture would teach us that the Holy Spirit is a person. That He is God. That we have God, we have Jesus the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit. We see that these three work in perfect unity. And that's what we refer to in church as the Trinity. I want to say it one more time before I move on. The Holy Spirit is God. He's not someone that we should be overwhelmed by, but is someone that we get to know. That it, He is God and He possesses unique qualities. He is omniscient. Come on. It's such a hard word, but I tried. Omniscient. We, if we're going to clap, let's clap together. That was a very hard word. Thank you so much. Omniscient. And that means He is all-powerful. Can I, can I say that again? Oh, no, all-knowing. Sorry, I apologize. You see how excited I got? He's all-knowing. And the reason I say this for us is because if He knows all things, then when we're in trouble, when we need help, how about we go to the Holy Spirit that knows all things? The next we see is He is omnipotent. <laughs> that word. He is all, I was nailing it in the morning gathering. It's because we're recording this. But he is all powerful. Meaning that he has power. That when we pray to the Holy Spirit, we're not praying to someone that does not have power. But he has power. The next thing we see is he's omnipresent. Easier one. That he is everywhere all the time. Like right now as I speak, I believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. And speaking to us. The same like right now, church is gathering across this beautiful country. He's empowering preachers as well, other people. That right now as you're sitting there, he's empowering you as well. That he's... The next thing that we see is the Holy Spirit is eternal. And earlier we were singing a song, as the Spirit was hovering over the water. That speaks about the Genesis account in the beginning of the Bible. We see that the Holy Spirit was present from the beginning. The Holy Spirit is not just some New Testament concept, but He's been around the whole time. It's only now through the work of Jesus that we have full access to the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has always been around. He is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of us understanding who He is. So that's, what, that's who He is. But what does the Holy Spirit do? Like, what does He do? Well, I'm super glad you asked because I'm going to tell you what he does. Number one is he lives within Christians and produces change in their character. We see this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. I don't know about you, but I'm not that patient. Like, I want things to happen instantly. I want them to happen in my time. But only through the gift of the Holy Spirit am I able to have access to true patience. Where I can wait and reflect and allow God. So the Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to do these things. To have joy. To have peace. To show kindness. To show, have faithfulness. The next thing is, He teaches us truth about Jesus. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I have said. It is through the work of the Holy Spirit that we fully understand who Jesus is. It's through the work of the Holy Spirit that we fully understand all that God has for us. The next thing we see is he gives believers the power to share their faith. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to all the earth. It is the Holy Spirit who empowers us, who gives us the ability to share our faith. It's not eloquent speech that causes people to believe, but it's the work of the Holy Spirit that can take our heart that is hardened against God and turn it to a heart that is longing and wanting to know him. The next thing we see is he produces love in human hearts. Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Once again, he is the one at work. The next thing we see is the Holy Spirit promises, is a promise of great things that has to come for those who trust in God. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 to 14 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. That through the work of the Holy Spirit, there's a seal that's been placed over you. I'm going to dive into that a little bit deeper. But just know that when you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit seals you. The next thing we see is he gives people the skills and abilities to share God's love. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 4 says, While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by the gift of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to his will. I just want to highlight that last part, distributed according to his will. It is the Holy Spirit that is the one that gives us gifts and abilities. It's the Holy Spirit who chooses who gets and who doesn't get. Oftentimes we see certain gifts that might be more on a public platform and we're like, I desire that gift. Desiring a gift is not a problem. But when that desire turns into envy, then it becomes a problem. Because now we've gone from being grateful for our gift to rather telling God what you want instead. That God distributes through the Holy Spirit to each person the gift they need for the right time. That it's according to, if he's all-knowing, then he knows exactly when you need the gift for that exact moment. If he's all-powerful, he'll empower you at the right time for that gift. If he's omnipresent, he will be with you while you do it at the right time through his power. 
ultimately it all reflects back again to who the Holy Spirit is. It's not that we do it, but rather that the Holy Spirit works through us. So when do you call this like, that's what the Holy Spirit is, that's what he does, but the step is filled. So when do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? Once again, super grateful you're asking these questions. So when do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, the Bible would teach us, once again, going back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So this scripture would teach us that once we put our faith in Jesus, that we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is the one who seals our salvation. A seal back in ancient times was used as a stamp of showing ownership. That ultimately when we put our faith in God, that he puts a seal on us, showing the world that we now belong to him. Showing Satan that we now belong to Jesus. That whatever the world might throw us, that we sealed with the Holy Spirit. But what oftentimes happens is we have access to this gift of the Holy Spirit. But it's, once we receive it, we kind of leave it to lie dormant. But the Bible will teach us us teaches us that we should desire more of the Holy Spirit. We see this in the book of Acts chapter 13 verse 52. And the disciples were filled with the joy and with the Holy Spirit. The way the scripture is written is they were continually being filled. That having access to the Holy Spirit is not a one and done, cool, I'm done, but rather a desire to know more of Him. The same way we have a desire to know more about who God is, the same way we have a desire to know who Jesus is, we should have the same desire to know more about the Holy Spirit. I'd love to illustrate it this way, is that what feels like when with the Holy Spirit is at the moment of salvation, we come to know who Jesus is. We invite the Holy Spirit into our lives, but we kind of leave him to the side in the corner and we go about our lives. But the scripture would teach us that we should go to the Holy Spirit and say, we want you to have free reign over every room in our house. We want you to be over every situation. That it's not that we want more of the Holy Spirit, but we want less of ourselves so that God can be in control. Just as we were in worship, as we were speaking about the Holy Spirit, I really felt this on my heart, and I really felt God saying at this particular moment, as we speak about the Holy Spirit, to be reminded that He is working, that He is at work in our midst right now. Already we had a prophetic word from James, but I feel like there's a moment where God's given me a prophetic word, and I'm wanting to pray for a group of people right now, and I'd like to somewhat push pause on the PVR and go a little bit off script. But right now, I fully believe as we were worshiping that some people in this room, that you've come to the end of yourself, that you're feeling extremely tired, that it's only May, but you're feeling like it's been three years clumped up into like the last few months. And you're just feeling so exhausted, so overwhelmed that you can't cope anymore. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is wanting us to pause. And I'm going to ask everyone, if you don't mind closing your eyes and buying your heads, if you're online, you can do the same. If that's you, in this room, with every head bowed, every eye closed, for privacy for that person, if that is you and you feel like, man, I've honestly come to the end of myself and this Holy Spirit, who we also know is our great comforter, that I need some access to His power right now. If that is you, I'd love for you to stick your hand up. I just would love to pray for you. Thank you so much for putting your hands up. Father God, I thank you for 
the hands that are lifted up. God, behind every hand is a person that you know exactly the things they're facing, the challenges they might be going through. And God, how tired they're feeling, just so overwhelmed. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray, won't you give them your presence, God? Won't you be with them? Firstly, God, won't you be their comforter? God, that they would know that in every circumstance that you are with them. But Holy Spirit, I pray right now, won't you fill them up with your presence, God? That through you, God, they would endure whatever they're facing. That God, greater is the one that goes ahead of them than the challenge in front of them. That God, you are with them. That God, through you, they will overcome. Maybe not in this life, but in eternity, God, we know that we will be with you. Where all the sickness or pain will be removed away. So God, we give you the praise. We give you the glory. And all God's people said, Amen completely off script, but I'm just really feeling like the Holy Spirit is moving in our midst right now. That he's not some, once again, not a mystical being, but someone we can have access to, someone that we can approach, someone that if we would ask, use me, speak to me, he would. I'm going to transition us somehow into the purpose step. So let's just go the purpose step. We're going to jump into the purpose there. I'm going to read, a, let's read the Bible. That will just help us. I'm going to be reading from Acts chapter 17, verse 16 to seven, verse 16 onwards. And it says this. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked with, within him as he saw the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogues with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and the philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he is preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and they brought him to Aeropagus, saying, can we just reflect on how hard some of these names in the Bible, they're really challenging and tongue-twisting. But it's Aeropagus? Cool. Aeropagus. Say that five times quickly. Um, I digress. For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now, while all the Athenians and the foreigners who live there would spend their time in nothing except telling and hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the midst of those people, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in a temple made by man, nor is he served by human hand as though he needed anything, since he himself gives all mankind life, breath, and everything. So when it comes to the purpose step, we look at this idea of what burdens you? What is the thing that God's called you to do? That we believe that inside each one of you, each one of us, is a thing where when we see it, it breaks our heart. When we look at a group of people or a situation, it breaks our heart because it breaks the heart of God. That God is saying, I want to use you in that specific situation. That we see that Paul, 
as he's in Athens, he says that his spirit was provoked, that he was so burdened of what was happening around him that he had to say something. And I would like to encourage us, the way Paul breaks this down as he's, uh, his heart is broken for the city, he starts in the synagogue. And the synagogue was where Jewish people would meet together. Oftentimes, that would be a place that was very familiar and comfortable for Paul. And for some of us today, I'd like to say that, no, for all of us, our synagogue is our family. When you look upon your family, does it break your heart to see what is happening? The fact that people in your family might not know Jesus, does it break your heart? Parents, for those who are parents in this room, I'd love to say this with all the love in my heart, that I am not the youth pastor of your child, but you are. That all the foundations that they need to learn about Christian life, that happens at home. When it comes to a Friday or a Sunday, the kids' ministry, preteens and youth, we're just building on the foundation that has already been established at home. I'd really love to encourage us as parents. Whoa, I could actually say that. As parents, what are we setting time aside where we're saying we're switching off the TV? We're switching off what might distract us and we're going to spend time together unpacking God's word, diving deep into it. I remember that in high school, I think it was high school, my mom, before we would go to bed, we would always gather together and we would pray. I'm going to be honest with you, as a high school student, I didn't want to do it, to be honest. I was like, just praying to get it done. But now looking back, I'm so grateful for the seeds of faithful praying that were sown. So parents, I'd really love to encourage you that it starts with you but then when we look at people in our family when we go to family functions and we we have that moment where we kind of gather together and we complain about so and so and have you seen this person's child and have you seen what they're doing what how what would it look like for those of us that know Jesus to come together and say let's pray for that person that yes their life's gone astray but God can still do something in them that God would use us to be people that would pray. Maybe it's just praying. Maybe it's actually summing up the courage to say something and to proclaim his word. The next thing we see is Paul was in the marketplace. For those of us that don't know, Paul was a tent maker. That's actually how he raised money often to fuel his mission trips. Um, so he was in the marketplace. It says that he was daily in the marketplace. And as Paul was rubbing shoulders with people in the marketplace. He was sharing with them who Jesus was. And what I love about Athens at this time is this is where ideas were being shaped. This is where culture was being shaped. This is where people were going to make money. Yet we see Paul is there sharing the good news of who Jesus is. What I love is Paul was in the marketplace the other days of the week. He wasn't only in the synagogue on the day where it was time to be in the synagogue. But outside of that, he was still doing and telling people. I would love to encourage us. Maybe we've allowed the thing, our worship of Jesus and our lifestyle to be something that's just reserved for a Sunday. But come Monday to Friday, we kind of put it on the back shelf. Because now I need to make money. Now I need to work. But I'd love to encourage us. Scripture teaches us that your marketplace is your mission field. That God placed you there for a purpose. That you're not randomly placed in your workplace, but God put you there for a reason. So the way that we conduct ourselves in our workplace, are we doing it with integrity? 
where others might come to us and say, maybe you can slide a deal under the table. Are we saying no, but I've put my faith in Jesus and I want to be someone that would show him in my marketplace. Are we people that say, cool, everyone else is in the corner by the water coolers, gossiping and tearing people down, but we want to be people that are lifting them up. Maybe someone might be struggling, but God used me to help them. Why? So that when I show them your love, it allows an opportunity for me to speak and tell them about you. And I want to say that. Allow me the opportunity to speak and tell them about you. I'm just going to be honest. Maybe it's just me. But if someone makes me a good cup of coffee, I'm not going to say, wow, what a great Christian. Only when they say, open up their mouths and tell me about the relationship they have with Jesus. Can I know who they have one? So by t- like just making coffees, opening doors, they'll never know. Yes, we show kindness, but if we allow ourselves the opportunity to say something, to open up our mouths, to tell them about who Jesus is. I know I'm getting a little bit passionate. I know this is not like one of those fluffy, I feel encouraged, but I just feel like, man, this is so important that our marketplace, our work, the people that we come across need to know about this God that we serve, that we sang so much about, they need to know about him. The next place we see is, Mars Hill. What happened is it was a big hillside and people would often come together and they'd meet and they'd share ideas and concepts. And we see Paul is here sharing about who Jesus is. Paul wasn't just someone who consumed from his community, but he's someone that gave back to it. On the 22nd, we have a good place initiative. This is a moment where we get to be God's hands and feet. If you haven't considered signing up for that, man, I would encourage you, sign up. Let's be God's hands and feet. Let's show God's love to people around us. But I love it. Paul, once again, in this position, shared who Jesus is. He shared about the good news. At every opportunity, Paul shared. So, Paul, what a guy, hey? We could all look at him and be like, but... To be honest, Paul like wrote a lot of the New Testament. He was a missionary. Like, wherever, like if you had that family member that you're like, oh, they're a tough person to crack. You'd be like, cool, let me bring them to Paul. If anyone can, Paul can, because he's just, man, he raised people from the dead when they fell asleep. Like Paul's your guy. But for us, we might be thinking, I'm unqualified. People are going to reject me. They might not accept it. Can God really use me? In this passage, we actually see that as Paul was sharing the gospel, the good news, there were actually people that ridiculed him. People that referred to him as a babbler. Someone that was just going around like a bird, picking up seeds, but wasn't making any sense. But what I love about the story is it didn't stop him from carrying on. That yes, they ridiculed him, but he was so burdened but the fact that people needed to know that he continued. We even see that some were reluctant. They're like, tell me more. And I want to pause on that. People that we might come across and share, I want to tell you about Jesus, and they're like, they're reluctant. I need to know more. I think that's such a great opportunity for us to be people that are diving into God's word. That if you're someone that maybe is struggling to get into God's word, why not sign up for the next institute? That we can be equipped as people so that we can help others get and keep God first in their lives. But the final thing we see is that some came to repentance. 
Man, what a joy that God would use us to see people come to know him. Unqualified, not that good, maybe struggling on some Greek words in the Bible, but he would still use us and that people would come to know him. What a joy it is to know that we get to partner with God. My next point is he empowers us to proclaim his word. This preach can go many different ways, but I want us to end with this, that ultimately each one of us sitting in this room right now, God is wanting to use you to proclaim his word to people. That this is not something that gets outsourced to other people, but rather as I look at you, God is wanting to use you. He's not saying call another to, he's saying I'm going to use you. And that we know that when we're filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, He is the one that changes hearts. But I think that God is moved by our obedience. That He says, go and make disciples. But when we go, it's not about how many come to know Jesus. It's not who denied who. It's about the fact that we stepped out in obedience. That we were saying, God, use me. Use my life. So you might be sitting there like, cool. You're new to church and you're like, what is this all about? Or maybe you're sitting and you've heard the, news, the good news. I say that specifically, the good news, the gospel, because it's good news. Maybe you might be sitting and you're like, but why is it important? Let me remind us all afresh what the gospel is. The gospel is this. The reality is that for each one of us, we are just like those Athenians, where we've erected different statues and monuments that we think will fulfill us. That when God created us, he created us to be in relationship with him. But sin entered the world, separating us from him. But the desire to be in relationship with him has always been there. But what we've done is we've gone and we've filled it with different stuff. And every time we've tried this, it's always left us feeling empty and feeling like there's something still missing. The reality is it's missing because God is the only one that can fulfill it. That when we put our faith, when Jesus came to this earth, he went to the cross. And as he was on that cross, he took on all our sin, all our shame, all our guilt. It was all placed on him. That he died, but three days later he rose, showing that he had power over all those things. That now our sin, if we put our faith in Jesus, has been removed as far as the east is from the west. That now when God looks at you, no longer does he see your sin, but rather he sees his son. That you have been made righteous. That you are in right standing with God. That is what the cross is. If you're in here, you've never put your faith in Jesus. That is what he's done for you. If you're sitting in this room and you would call yourself a Christian, be reminded and fired up again that that's what Jesus did for you. That sin no longer has a hold on you, but you've been set free. But you've been set free to go tell others about this good news. Not set free to sit on the seat and take up space. By no means do I mean this to be harsh or like to, but I think that COVID maybe threw us for a hit spin. There's a lot that's happened, but it's time again for us as God's people to rise up and say, God, use me. Here I am. We sang earlier, nothing else matters. Nothing in this world will do. Jesus be the center. I'm going to ask the band to join me. 
And what we're going to do right now is we're going to sing that song again. But this time, I want us to sing it as a prayer of our lives. That Jesus, be the center of my family. Jesus, be the center of my workplace. Jesus, be the center of my community. Wherever I go, because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I go in boldness because Jesus, Holy Spirit, you go with me. But use me to tell others about you. In preach meeting, we're chatting about what gets you fired up. You're going to speak about, but this is what gets me fired up. There's a line in the song called, um, Even So Come. The line goes, wake up the saints. I think that's such a powerful line because I think what happens is when we come to know Jesus, we're like, cool, everything is good. And we just stay in that place. God's saying, all is good, but I've set you free because I'm wanting to use you. Let me say that again. God is wanting to use you. So here's what I'd love us all to do. If everyone wouldn't mind buying their heads, closing their eyes. What would it look like for your family for Jesus to be the center? What would it look like for Jesus to be the center of your workplace? What would it look like if Jesus were the center of everything that you did? I don't have a cookie cutter answer for what it would look like for you. But we know that we have access to the Spirit who is all-knowing, all-powerful, that can reveal to each one of us that as He fills us up, He's wanting to use us. If you're in this room and you've never put your faith in Jesus and you've heard about the cross today and what Jesus did for you, there's no magic potion or magic formula on how to, to become a Christian. The Bible would teach us it's simply this, that if you would believe in your heart and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, then you'll be saved. If that's you, why not just do that right now? God, I give you my life. God, I, I, forgive me for what I've done in the past, but God, I'm giving you my life. And maybe for some of us that have taken that step of salvation, where you've been saved, but maybe you've become numb to what your salvation is, that you've been set free because God's called you with a purpose and a plan. Today, I pray that you'd be stirred up again that as you're driving home, walking home, as this week comes, that God would start to break your heart for other people. That God would start to break your heart for situations. That you would know that you're filled, that you have everything that you need in the Holy Spirit. And that He's wanting to use you. So what I'd love for us to do is, actually, I'm gonna pray for us, then we'll. Father God, I thank you for everyone in this room. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are still a God who speaks to your people. That, God, you are still a God who is moving in our midst. Thank you, God, that we have access to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray right now for everyone in this room, God, that we would be fired up 
like Paul was provoked. God, that we would be provoked that when we see our families, that God, we would be the solution through your Holy Spirit to do something. That we would be the solution in our workplace through your Holy Spirit. Ultimately pointing people back to the main story that is you. Jesus, I pray for everyone in this room that Jesus, you would be our lead story. That it would not be about financial gain or what we can get from this world, but God, it would always be about you. That you would use us to point others to you. God, you are powerful, you are amazing, and you're so worthy. I pray these things in your precious name. Right now, I think if we can all stand together, we're going to sing this again. But this time, I'd like to encourage us that our heart position would change. That as we sing these words, we would mean it. That God, be the center of my life. God, be the center of it all. Let's sing together.